Hello, hello, and welcome back to POV with Gwen, you guys. Today, I'm so excited. I'm actually doing my first ever Zoom interview with the incredibly talented Luke Spiller, guitarist and lead singer of the amazing band The Struts. I'm so excited. I hope you enjoy. So, okay, so I want to talk to you about so many things. So, like, how are you during the pandemic? You know, tell me about this new single with Paris Jackson. I'm so excited about this song. It's amazing. It's so catchy. Like, I mean, I love it. Your vocals are outrageous. How was it working with Paris? Um, and, you know, tell me about that. Well, uh, the song came about at the end of 2019. And then I was actually... Uh, living pretty much like in LA at the time and lo and behold sort of like as, as everyone knows toward well at the very beginning of 2020 uh, we were still continuing uh, to work on what we thought was going to be the third album which Loki in Love uh, was was already demoed and was going to be a part of that and then all of a sudden what happened was COVID happened, all of our touring got cancelled and we actually decided to take like a, a bit of a left turn and go into the studio and, you know, record like uh, two or three songs, what we thought were going to be about two or three. And that ended up being an entire record in 10 days. Whoa. So we kind of, we put, <laughs> You're kidding. We put all of the other stuff to one side and we were like, you know, this feels like a moment in time. And uh, we decided to put that out, which was Strange Days, which was a really great creative uh, experience. And then, and then all of a sudden we were asked to uh, perform in the UK uh, in sort of like August time. So we flew back over and in doing oh. so, it was a great thing <laughs> to do, we kind of got stuck. Right. So... After that, we then, um, you know, we're thinking, well, you know, th that album's been done now. What have we uh, got to offer? Because in these times, you know, it's really important that we kind of keep doing stuff, remaining productive, like you said. And Loki in Love was like a song that was still there and had sort of been living for about seven or eight months. And we were like, yeah, this is still really, really, really good. It's great. My label, <laughs> it's so my, good. My label suggested, you know, would you like to do a cover? Uh, not a cover. Would you like to make it a duet? Oh, so it wasn't originally with a. It wasn't originally a duet. It was just a single, like just you, your vocals. Yeah, yeah. It was just. It was just an idea. It was very basic. The rest of the band weren't really on it at the time. And uh, yeah, and once the the idea of the duet was in my head i i was like okay and then I, I started to think about it and the weird thing was the day two days before i wrote that song i was actually out like on a date and um in la in uh, good times at davy wayne's oh, okay. and paris was playing a show like an acoustic set and we'd met like you know briefly a few times before that um, but it was very funny that she was there, like a day right or so when you're looking for a female vocalist. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I asked her, and she was like, "Yeah, super, super excited." So there it was. Um, and it's such and it's such beautiful chemistry. Like you know, I actually I love the video too. Um, but you know, I want to ask you. So like, what was going on? Do you think creatively to make you like what? Why were you vibing? Why like why tens like this many an album in ten days? How? Why? What was going on? 
Can you can you like sum sum it up to just like good energy? Was it just kind of like the pandemic? you know, inspiring creativity, because it's strange days. So, you know, is it about the pandemic? Yeah, so so Loki and, and the album Strange Days were, were two completely separate kind of like entities, but- the, But all born uh, in the same creative time? Uh, not really, Loki was before, Loki mm -hmm. was before. Um, and the album Strange Days was, I think it was March, 2020. Um, we all decided to get tested. The producer was going to be tested and uh, an engineer. And then we all basically camped out at the producer's house who also has a very small studio in his backyard. And uh, yeah, we just kind of lived there for 10 days. And we thought, you know, we might come up with two or three songs the most, but. <laughs> yeah, but instead it was two or three a day. <laughs> yeah, it was literally insane it was it was very bizarre um and i think it was because we were living and breathing the music and yeah like i mean like you said to answer your question the uh the album i wouldn't call it like a concept record but the pandemic definitely makes its way into the lyrics whether it's like all dressed up with nowhere to go that's kind of self-explanatory obviously the title track strange days is a bit of a social commentary of how I think a lot of people were feeling and, and phrases that I was hearing all of the time, like, gosh, like this feels like science fiction and mm -hmm. this is such strange times. And um, it was a very, very amazing process to-, so to, to who writes part. most of your lyrics? So for, st yeah, for Strange Days, like, uh, I, I, I kind of really took took the lead on, on that record. I mean, most, it's hard to say. I, I tend to kind of lead it lyrically, but then I, I also love um, the art of like collaboration as well. So if I'm, if I'm in the studio with a producer, writer, whatever, uh, we, we tend to, to kind of bounce off each other. But Having said that, I'm still the lead singer and, I, and, I, and I'll, I'll always get like the, uh, the quote final say. And um, I mean, I've got to fucking sing it, you know what I mean? So I've yeah, got to yeah. believe it. So I, I do tend to take charge in, in that area. Wow. So I got to God, I mean, it's so cool. And uh, so I want to ask you, like, there's so many things I want to ask you musically, but I do want to talk about the night we met because it's so funny. One of my followers. Um, so the night that we met, right, Jeff Franklin's party, which, by the way, was like a really terrible intro to L.A. right before COVID hits, because I'm like, it was like my first party I go to in L.A. I do, there's a live performance by the Struts. Um, it could have been me is like it's a really personal song to me. Um, that's just I mean, like it's and I think to anyone who really loves the song, it's just um I mean, it's just you know, obviously so inspiring and so epic. And so I went live, okay, and I was singing, like, you know, while you're singing, I'm singing the lyrics. And I have a follower who's probably asked me like 20 times, when are you going to sing? It could have been me by the struts. When are you going to sing it? When are you going to go live and sing it? Um, so it's so funny. I have to like shout him out. Um, but I want to talk about, like, so, you know, do you do private parties often? Like, how often does that happen? I didn't even realize these, like, you know, there, there's, you know, there's like mini concerts sometimes going on in LA. 
Um, you know, that night it was you, Haley Reinhardt, incredible vocalist. God, the Beach Boys. Um, you know, I mean, God, the guy knows how to throw a party. And I know that he booked you already for his next birthday. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm not going to miss it. Like, I'll never miss a party of his. Um, but yeah, so tell me, like, do you have, what, like, upcoming, you're, you're obviously booked for a private party, but how about a tour? Like, you know, is there any talk of that? Is that, you know, even a consideration at this point? Absolutely, absolutely. So, I mean, first of all, with with private private things, um, I, I love doing them. Uh, the the, the pressure is kind of like off a little bit. You can kind of turn up, and that that that's exactly what the vibe was at, at Jeff's that night. Um, it was like plug in and play, and just have fun, throw in some covers and whatnot. Uh, with a tour, um, I can confirm that despite a run of dates not being like officially announced yet that we are working really really hard at the moment to to make something happen this year so something right. will be going on this year which i'm really really looking forward to it's going to be great getting back out yeah, you know, it was so fun because uh, that party, you know, you like, you know, obviously you're, you know, booked for the performance, um, which you guys did. But then the rest of the night, you were just jamming like, you know, just where I mean, you're right here next to me. It was just such a vibe. You clearly love um, just, you know, really like, you know, you clearly love what you do and you really love the live performance and really like, in, you know, including everyone in this um, atmosphere. I mean, it was yeah, really, really wonderful first experience for me. One of my coolest uh, nights in LA. So thank you so much for that. But um, yeah, but I want to get to know more about you. Uh, you know, I have some questions here about your like first heartbreak. Can you share with us? Yeah, your first heartbreak. Did it make its way into your music? Is there any song that that kind of, uh, you know, influenced? Gosh, yeah, I, I'm, yeah, it, it, it has actually. I mean, uh, there's a song from our debut record called Where Did She Go? Which I wrote when I was 16 in a band wow. that I was in previous to the Struts, which was my, my school band, like my high school band, if you want to call it that. And um, what was yeah, that? God, it was yeah, no. <laughs> Fluke Star was the name, it was ah. awful. Uh, <laughs> but you know, it, it, it was very, uh, you know, the roots were kind of very uh, rock and roll and, and still somewhat throwback, a bit like the Struts. And yeah, I was I was kind of totally uh, besotted and, and in love. I was I was like fifteen, going on sixteen, and um, it was very picture, picturesque. Um, you know, both very innocent, and uh, but like like everything uh, when you're that age, it it, it unfortunately it didn't last forever. And um, I remember my parents actually moved me away from my hometown, which was about two and a half hours south of where I grew up and obviously uh, where I was in this relationship, which eventually kind of like broke down. And I was walking back from a nightclub, which, you know, legally I probably shouldn't have been allowed in, but I was super, <laughs> super drunk and it was very weird and it's never really happened to me ever, ever since. But I was walking back. It was about a 15, 20 minute journey on foot. And I sang it. I sang the chorus uh, in like out loud and, and the first verse. And 
at this time I didn't have like, you know, there was no smartphones. The only thing you'd probably record an idea was like a dictaphone or something like that. But I, I knew like, I was like, wow, this is, this is good. So I, I sang it and sang it and sang it and repeated it and repeated it. Got home, blind drunk, wrote it down. The lyrics, what I could, what I was working out in a notebook. Lo and behold, I woke up the next day and I still remembered it. And then I took it to uh, a member of, the, of uh, my old band and he put chords to it and there it was. And then years, years later, the, the struts are now singing it and doing it and it made it onto the first record which is wow. fucking bizarre yeah that's amazing so cool so it sounds like you know music was you know i mean an interest of yours what as a youth like when did you know you were a vocalist um like how when did you know you were a performer like what were the signs growing up so there are two different things really i mean performer true true i i was i was I didn't, you are both I didn't, I didn't, <laughs> very much I didn't so. consider myself um like quote like a singer really until until I was like 15 really and I, I remember the first true taste of being on the stage was when I was probably like eight or nine years old and my my uh, school was doing a production of a musical by Andrew Lloyd Webber called Joseph in his Technicolor Dreamcoat. And in this musical, uh, there's the Pharaoh and the Pharaoh is like an Elvis Presley, like kind of character. Oh, <laughs> cool. And at the time I was super into Michael Jackson, James Brown, Motown. I, I considered myself more of like a dancer, not really a singer, but of course I got cast for it. And uh, I, I did my bit brought down the house and I had a standing ovation, which was really cool. And I remember looking around like. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think I might be meant for this stage. Yeah. Wow. Wow. How cool. <laughs> so then like, you know, how, how cool was that experience then now? Like, you know, coming full circle, you're working with someone like Paris Jackson, you know? Um, yeah. Like, I'm, I'm sure like, can you, can you like think back for me? Um, any of like the really surreal moments in your career as a, as an artist? Oh my God. I mean, it, a surreal moment normally comes with like a tear of joy. Um, Beautiful. And uh, like, I remember years and years ago, we were asked to support the Rolling Stones in Paris. And that was our first major support slot. And um, I, I was watching the Rolling Stones sound check in an empty stadium and they were playing wild horses and you can't always get what you want. And I remember like welling up, like, oh my God, this is surreal. And then Mick Jagger came over, walked <laughs> past me, blocked me and then shook my hand and started talking to me for about 10 minutes. And I remember being like, fuck, you know, you know, that was, that was surreal, super surreal. Um, wow, I can imagine. And then years later, um, getting out on stage with, uh, the Foo Fighters while we were on tour with them for pretty much like a year on and off they, uh, th they knew I was a massive Queen fan and they, they used to play Under Pressure where Dave Grohl would go onto the drums uh, Taylor Hawkins would uh, get onto the microphone and he started inviting me up on stage to do the Freddie part and he would wow. do the David Bowie section I gotta hear this and man <laughs> and yeah, it's all over YouTube and stuff like that. Oh, and, I will. And then after that, they just kept bringing me up again and again. And 
that was that was great yeah. <laughs> so it's just been a career of you know since then probably so many more pinch me moments uh, but can you tell me like you know uh, about a time was there ever a time you know you obviously uh, found um such an incredible way as an artist you know and, and the struts have but was there a time when you almost considered like abandoning music was there like a was there a struggle period or did it kind of just always kind of naturally organically um you know kind of come together I mean, if I'm perfectly honest with you, there, there, there are times even now where I kind of fall into extreme, like, doubt. Um, no kidding, you know, every, wow. Every now and then, you know, I'm just kind of... But it, because it's, a, it's an industry that um, is such a constant roller coaster of, of ups and downs. And when you're, when you're up, you're up. And when you feel like you've done something not quite right or, you, you know, the timing's wrong, it can bring you down. But for, for the most part, I'm, I'm, I'm very kind of secure and, and avoid, I mean, I'm always looking onto the horizon and thinking about the future next steps. But I'd say, I'd say just before we got offered that first Rolling Stones slot, we were, God, we, we'd put out, the first album under a UK label that really didn't care about us. They didn't advertise it. They just put it out mm. and uh, nothing was happening. Not one radio station would play any of the music. And we were in a place called Scunthorpe in the UK playing in a pub and their backstage area was like a, uh, a really creepy, like squat looking area above the pub and there was like flea ridden mattresses and <laughs> I remember myself and the whole band we were we were just openly discussing like what the fuck are we doing like you <laughs> yeah, know what are wow. we what what are we doing wrong and then lo and behold like thank god we then got a phone call saying that like that night you're going to be opening up for the Rolling Stones in two weeks and uh we then proceeded to walk downstairs and play in front of those 12 people in the pub. Like they and were like 12,000. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Gore. Wow. You know, that's, that's so amazing. That's, I, I think that's what I really am so excited to share with my listeners. And that's the kind of a trend um, that's kind of come up with, with other creators that, that are, you know, so accomplished, you know, even, um, you know, I was talking with my production team, you know, earlier and my, my friend Jake, it, we're talking about South Park. I have um, my next guest is one of the producers of South Park and um, he'd watched an interview about how you know the creators they always think that it's crap you know and so you know and they're always second guessing and oh and so it's like I think that's just such an important thing as an artist as a creator to kind of um to to you know still keep at it and like you know and so do you ever feel like your song it could have been me do you like how does does that song resonate with you who wrote that and like is there any part of you that when you you know you, you think back to your old self when you play it you know and, and, and are you speaking you know because it's set, it's really the message is so so powerful um, so I'm sure that's one that just must feel amazing to perform. Yeah, absolutely. And, and still to this day, I mean, that song was written, God, I mean, I might be a little bit off here with my timeline, but it could be about seven years ago, eight years ago. And just to kind of set the picture, um, myself and Adam Slack, the, the guitar player and my fellow musical collaborator, uh, were in the studio uh, with a, a production team called Red Triangle and another writer called Josh Wilkinson. 
And we had what we thought was already a fantastic record. And they always are quick to remind me that I kind of walked in there like, oh, I don't even know why we're fucking here, you know. <laughs> and we, we've got all the songs, we got this. Oh, yeah? Was that you? <laughs> yeah, that was definitely me. That was definitely me. And yeah. um, the, the funny thing is, is with that particular session, like like so many other kind of uh, recording sessions at that time, I was very frustrated, almost disenchanted because of um, the situation that myself and Adam were in, where from, from all these different angles, whether it was our management at the time, our record label at the time, they were like, you know, something's not quite right. Uh, you know, we're not really quite sure about the way Luke dresses. Um, we're not quite sure about the music. It should sound more like this. And we were, and I, I just ended up being in the studio and venting, you know, and just pre basically just moaning, just like, I don't fucking understand it. Like, why can't people just take me who I, as, as who is who I am and, and what we're about. And it's so fucking frustrating because, you know, we're the bollocks and I know we're, the, we're, we're great. And then from that, that, that manifest stated into, well, let's get that down onto, um, onto paper, so to speak. And that's really where the sentiment of could have been me came out of. It was like, look, live by the sword and die by it. Like if this is the way I want to live my life and this is the way that we want to sound and this is the way we want to look, like we're going to do it because we'd rather get on with it and, and be true to ourselves rather than sort of like pander yeah you know, and compromise be unnatural and then look back and be like fuck like why did we do that so that's really where that song came out and i mean it's, it's amazing like it, it's still it's still one of our songs that uh if i'm doing like a meet and greet or i go through uh, requested messages every now and then on, on on Instagram, for instance, and people would just send me like the most heartfelt messages with that song specifically. Like, you know, I, I, I was so afraid to quit my job and and whatnot. And then once I heard that song, it really gave me like the the courage and the kickstart to kind of live my own dream. And um, that's that's really special. So it, it's it's amazing. Oh, yes. Okay, okay, okay. So, yeah, you worked on your last album. I didn't even realize, like, I mean, I've been listening through, but gosh, you, Rage Against the Mach Machine, The Strokes, and Def Leppard. So you're doing these amazing collabs, like, um, so, so, you know, I'd love to hear about that. Oh, and Kesha, like, such diversity as well. Um, you know, but, so, anyway, tell if there's anything you have um, to say about those experiences, and as well as, you know, upcoming collabs, dream collab, anyone on your list that you're very much hopeful to work with someday. Yeah, of course. Um, so, I, I mean, the first real collaboration we did was uh, from the second album with Kesha, and that was that was fantastic. Uh, we had met her at a, uh, I think it was a college show, and huh? we we knew people that were in her camp and played in her band, and um, we just ended up chatting in catering <laughs> really <laughs> randomly and she was she was super cool super rock chick um has a fantastic taste uh not only with her style but musically as well and 
again, it was one of those ideas that were thrown about, like, what would this song sound like, you know, with someone else? Like, would it, would it enhance it? And, and of course, we, we asked her and she, she said yes. And that turned out to be, to be really, really interesting. Um, and then with, with Strange Days, that was, that was kind of like a bit of an experiment. Like, the whole entire record as a whole was was such a you know what like okay we've done this and we've done that let's completely start anew and um not really think twice about anything so normally back in the day we'd probably be like you know one collaboration that's kind of like enough you know but this one we were like fuck it like let's experiment let's do it we we've met all these amazing people like robbie williams for instance um we started chatting about a month before I went into the studio. So that was just bizarre. And then I asked him, would he be interested before going in? And he said, yeah, just send me what you come up with. So I was like, okay, we've got Robbie on board. And then with Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine, myself and Adam had worked with him um, on, on something that never completely came into fruition, but we still connected and and he even played with us in Nashville at, like the year before um, to get up on stage and play a cover with us. And I just reached out to him and said, you know, we've got this track and it's screaming Tom Morello. Would you be interested in just listening to it? And if, and if you think you could do something with it, just let us know. And he was like, yeah, sure. And then, so I was like, this is interesting. And then with Def Leppard, Joe Elliott, the singer, he has been a massive fan uh, for gosh, donkey years, like pretty much when Good Have Me really hit the United States, like four or five years ago. So I've always been in touch with him, and um, you know Phil Collin, the the guitar player. We had recently started talking again, probably about two or three months before going in, and yeah, I just sort of like said to them would you be interested in doing something and they were like yeah let's do it so i was really that was <laughs> everyone's really cool. receptive and yeah with albert hammond jr from the strokes he he also uh goes out on his own underneath his own name and again really organically we we met him uh he opened up for us a, a, a show uh probably uh sort of like in mid 2019 and we just kind of kept in touch like we really hit it off like I kind of had like a bit of a man crush on, on Albert and, um, you know, I just sort of like send him a message every now and then. And, and again, it was just a song that I was like, yeah, this is, I think Albert could, could do something with this. And yeah, he, he agreed. And there we are. It just went on and on like that. So it was really cool. I'm, I'm really open to that. And, and I know that, I know that it divides opinion. I know that some of our fans are like, oh, I wish they wouldn't do this and I wish they wouldn't do that. But there's something in my personality that um, as soon as I think I, I start to become a, just a little bit too predictable, I just fucking throw the kitchen sink out the window <laughs> and, and, and try, try something out which is going to throw guessing. everyone off. And Paris and that song was no exception. I mean, Loki in Love stylistically um the way it sounds is is definitely somewhat of like a 
departure from yeah but it's so Lovato. well done it's a departure but it's still you know it's still um true to the struts and the sound so it's like so so i think for m the majority of the fans um I, yeah, I think you know it's important for them to understand that it kind of contributes to how you evolve as a musician and as an artist, incorporating you know these influences as you evolve. Um, it's so cool to me to hear that you, for the most part, it sounds like the people you collaborate with. It's not you just picking their name, you know, from your Spotify playlist. You're vibing in person. You have an, an energetic kind of connection, a chemistry, and that kind of trans. You know, that later eventually evolves into these collabs. So that's really really cool to hear. Um, do you have anything? Yeah. Uh, do you have any upcoming collabs we don't know about? Oh, I mean, honestly, it's <laughs> they can they can they can be uh, they can be quite a challenge to kind of um, pull off. I mean, especially every, well, most of the collaborations that we've done, apart from Kesha, have been during the uh, pandemic, which has proved to be like a bit difficult. So I, I will gather the, the mental and physical strength um, to hopefully collaborate with uh, someone else in the future. Um, but I mean, like my dream collaboration would be uh, someone like Lana Del Rey, for instance. Oh, very cool. Yes, yeah, Sarah's over here swooning. She just did one of these. Oh my God, she loves the idea. <laughs> yeah, are you on board? I'm a big rock fan. Yeah, cool. I've just, I've just kind of um, been toying with the idea, and, and and you know, if I'm completely honest, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure if this would be, you know, right for the group, or maybe it could appear a few times on on another record that the Struts do. But I really want to create like um, some kind of, uh, you know, like Lewis Capaldi, you know that 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 yeah. artist. Yes. It's like I I. I there's something inside me that really wants to take that kind of song and his kind of like piano driven, vocal driven uh, music, but, but a really kind of sexed up version of it. Like something that's unapologetically like sexy, dark. And, you know, and I think in many ways, you know, Lana it, it has that. And um, I definitely think we could do something really cool together. I just, you know, yeah okay it's out there i agree and make it happen yeah i mean i'm confident um hey <laughs> i don't see why not um so other questions for you gosh i have so many i mean who you know, obvious question um what artist or is there an artist or a specific song that has really influenced your music oh man so i i would always describe the struts as the sophistication of Queen with the swagger of the Rolling Stones. Mm. And for, for, mo for the most part, that kind of really uh, hits the nail on the head when describing uh, the, the group's sound. And it, and it really is that because between those two bands, which I absolutely adore, um, they covered a lot of musical ground and it, I always come back to them. I always come back to them. I, I always think, um, you know, like, gosh, whether it's songs like Miss You by the Rolling Stones, which are kind of like these disco tracks and, you know, with Queen, I mean, there's, again, they just covered so much uh, musical ground that um, it's, it's hard not to be influenced by them because of the sheer yeah. amount of things that they did. Um, 
So I'd say those two bands in particular really shaped me musically. And of course, there's like a lot of other ones like ACDC and the Beatles, of course, and Oasis. But Queen and the Stones seem to be like these groups that just keep bashing heads like in our in our musical laboratory. And um, we always end up kind of like gravitating towards that just naturally. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd say those two, really. Um, okay, first job and worst job. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so my first job was, I, you know, if I, if I was to tell you the truth, I've never had a, a bad, bad job because I've always, I've always been somewhat of like a happy-go-lucky person. And so, for instance, my first job, I was a, uh, a waiter in a a hotel and I was also a porter at the same hotel for for a while and I I was also lucky enough to to work alongside my best friend who you know I I called him up and I was like look I'm working at this hotel like you should work here as well we'd have so much fun and he was like yeah all right fuck it so we ended up working there together and you know what it's like when you're working with a with a your best mate it's like yeah it's not working you remain professional (laughs) but you know, you, you you go behind the bar, like once everyone's not looking, you pour yourselves a couple of cheeky drinks, like <laughs> steal a couple of bits of the food from a wedding, wedding uh, sort of like party going on at the hotel. So we had a lot of fun. And then I was also a waiter uh, at a residential home um, with my best mate as well, which was a little bit more kind of like highbrow, kind of a bit more posh, but again, was a really, really great experience. And then um i was also a cleaner in a uh, in a rest home which um i guess you could look at that as quote kind of being the worst like i'd, I'd clean toilets and commodes and and whatnot but you know on the flip side of that i uh i was able to sort of like just work um on my own and there was only two cleaners myself and another lady and I had, I was allowed to sort of wear headphones and I had uh, an iPod at the time. It was one of the really big, thick ones that you could get. And a friend of mine had, had basically thrown all of this music on it from jazz to big band to rock pop. I had so much. And I remember every day I I was listening to a new record uh, which was new to me, I'd listen to a Nina Simone album and then I'd listen to a Beatles record and then I'd listen to a Slade record, T-Rex. And and by the time my shift was over, I had absorbed like um, maybe a, a, an album or two, maybe, you know, and, and it, was a, it was a real uh, great way to sort of um, expand my musical horizons. So I've never really had, quote, like the worst, a worst job. I, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't possibly sort of um you were never miserable yeah <laughs> that's good to hear but like you know so during that you know those times working those jobs um you know were you dreaming about a future as a rock star as a musician as a as an artist was that a, was that in on the horizon yet was that a, was that seed planted yeah absolutely absolutely um during for instance when I was when I was a cleaner I I really had that job uh, to, to, to financially keep me going because my school band at the time had taken what we call a gap year 
which is after you graduate sort of like high school, you can then go to university. And what a lot of people do is they take a year out before going to uni and a lot of people will travel. They'll go to like oh, very posh. and find their <laughs> spiritual selves. Yeah. And we decided as a group to um, get kind of like small, you know, part-time jobs um, and, and just gig on the weekends. And that's what we did for a year. So yeah, it was, it was very oh. much in my head and, and I would, I would often uh, finish my shift and then come back home and, and, and write lyrics and, meet up for band practice afterwards so been chasing it a while now yeah, yeah. <laughs> and here we are uh so okay how about advice to that 15 16 year old self you know if you could um if you could give yourself your message at that age oh god i would say maybe take things just a slight slightly more seriously um i i mean at the time all the way through my mid late teens, I, I, I loved having fun. Like I still do now, but you know, if I wasn't out partying, doing loads of drugs and, and stuff like that, as I was at the time, and, and maybe I had to do that, but I might've been able to achieve probably a little bit more, but I, I think that completely. <laughs> I, I think that's maybe what I, I would tell myself is like, you know, um, if you kind of get your head down a little bit more, things may sort of like accelerate a little bit. But I don't know, if I'm perfectly honest, I've always been a bit of, um, quote, like a slow learner in that uh, respect. And, and it's taken me a long time to sort of like find a, a healthy balance between work and play. And I think in the last five or six years, I've kind of um, grasped that. All right. Another question for you, Luke. Um, what are your interests outside of music? You know, like, are you interested in acting? You know, you know, what other kind of art do you experiment with? Uh, honestly, uh, I, I do enjoy um, to, to paint, um, but not kind of like what you traditionally kind of think uh, when I mention painting. Okay. Um, I, okay. I, I, I do a lot of guitars. I started painting kind of like guitars in this this pattern that I, I've done since I was kind of like 11 years old. Can you show us? Um, there one there? It, it, it's like, I don't have one on me at the moment, okay. but it's, it's kind of like complex patterns. And it was about four years ago or so, I was at a, a radio station and they wanted us to sign a guitar and they made us wait backstage for about 20 minutes. So I signed the guitar and then I started doing this pattern around the name, my name after I signed it with like a, like a, a Sharpie pen. And I was like, oh, that looks kind of cool. And um, it got my head thinking and I decided to buy sort of like a cheap electric guitar and, and took the strings off and, and took out um, the pickups and everything. And I grabbed some sort of like gold and silver and a load a bunch of other uh, colors like in an oil paint uh, pens and I just started like really going into it and um, and I, I remember uh, a lot of people being like wow that's really cool like looks really fantastic it's really unique and I think I posted a picture of one and then that was it I had people like saying can I can I have one wow cool you know where do I get this and from then on I've just sort of like uh 
had people messaging me and for for sort of like commissions and so so I do that um but because I'm in the UK at the moment it's a little bit difficult because most of the people who want them tend to be in America and the shipping costs I was going to ask you about that also bigger, insane oh, oh um, yeah, I can imagine but I mean yeah I'm also um working on 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 a musical which I've been writing what for, Okay, please share. So cool. What is it about? Uh, it's a it's a rock musical. Like, I mean, gosh. Okay, yeah, definitely. Tell us about this, please. So it's 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 set like in the eighteen hundreds, and I can't really give away like the plot per se, but I can tell you that it involves like magic, uh, male prostitution, uh, talking cats um whoa <laughs> it's it's i'm it's these are my favorite like, things it's like a, it's like an x-rated <laughs> like harry potter basically like meets, it's like it's like downton abbey meets the rocky horror picture <laughs> this sounds spectacular i'm in love with the idea already um wow that's that's fantastic you know it's funny actually just recently um so you say sexy harry potter um Harry Potter erotica. Do you know that this is a thing? No. Yes, no. there's Harry Potter erotica. Like Cho Chang does the Quidditch team. You know, shit like that. It's so funny. <laughs> it's like Snape and Hermione. Like you know, there's there's um, Harry and Hermione sneak off behind you know Ron's back. It's great. It's gold. Like there's so many scenarios here. So just you know, just to plant that seed. Um, but that is so cool to hear that you are working on a musical. I mean, that's that's phenomenal. And of course, you know, I would hope that you would be performing uh, you know yeah. have a lead role there's so many ways you can go at it so the first things first i i need to get my little butt back over to la and and kind of finish the, the music I, I basically have been creating what we would call like a like a like demos which has been a really fun process because I've been doing all of the voices of the characters. I've been making all of the sound effects with like anything I can find around me and basically writing the scenes, writing the music. And I've, and I've done about three quarters of it all by myself. And I kept it completely hidden from anyone. And it wasn't until last year that I, I, I actually showed it to uh, my managers and they were like wow this is really interesting like you did all this and I was like yeah I had a lot of time <laughs> on my hands back then and um well so, so did I I'm not I didn't get a musical going my goodness gracious amazing <laughs> really cool no, so is there a timeline like you know you know do you have like anything like that or is it still kind of elementary like you know early stages it sounds like well, you've gotten quite a bit done I can either I, I've always I always pictured it in my head as a um as, as like a movie uh but oh okay i i also recognize that the advantage of taking something like that to stage first yes like in yeah. an actual theater because totally. you know and then the movie later direct, like why not both i mean a director can come in and sort of like cut a lot of the fat off and and make it flow a lot uh maybe a lot more kind of fluid so, I mean, I, I know that like the Rocky Horror Picture Show was was done, you know, in small theaters to begin with. So who knows? Who knows? I could take it straight to theater in New York, or it could be like um 
like a five part episode special like on netflix fuck knows it's cool yeah limited it's to really a blank canvas at the moment in terms of where it's going to live in in uh, in the public arena so who knows but i'm so excited I'm really excited about that. It's just Sarah's over here freaking out too. Like we're very, we love this idea. It sounds really, really cool. What a fun um, passion project and new venture for you. Um, wow. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to, you know, and doing me the honor of allowing me to interview you. This has been such a wonderfully insightful conversation, um, you know, exploring you as an artist. And I just so appreciate it. We're waiting for you here in LA. So I'm manifesting a speedy return uh, back to home because this is home, right? home is where i charge my phone oh okay i love that okay okay i'm making the t-shirt um <laughs> well thank you so much luke i'm i can't wait to connect with you when you come back to la either way i mean i'm obviously i'm waiting i'm like when is it february for jeff's birthday um <laughs> counting the days for that you know private concert but um but looking forward to connecting with you before then um so if you would for my listeners uh tell us where we can find you and um yeah please give us your handles uh, I'm Luke Spiller from the Struts. You can find me personally on Instagram at Luke Struts. Or if you would like to catch up with all of the uh, news regarding my group, the Struts, you can find us on Insta at the Struts. And we're also on TikTok as well. The new social Ooh. phenomenon that is TikTok. <laughs> yes. And of course, yes. We're, on, uh, we're on Spotify if you search for the Struts and uh, YouTube, of course, if you search for the struts. So, uh, yeah, that's where you can find all the news. And we also are on the struts.com. If you're looking for uh, our dates and, and places to find, uh, the struts merchandise. Lovely. Well, thank you so much for coming on POV with Gwen. Thank you for your incredible new single, uh, low key in love with Paris Jackson. I'm obsessed and, um, look forward to connecting. Thank you so much, Luke. Thanks for having me.